0: Hey everybody, and welcome back to Let's Talk Parks. Thanks for joining us for season three. We are kicking off this episode by talking about industry trends and thinking about three different trends that you can expect to see this year or into the coming years. If you're brand new to Let's Talk Parks, thank you so much for tuning in. This is a podcast that tells the stories of purpose-driven parks and recreation professionals. We provide resources and tools for up-and-coming leaders in parks and rec who are committed to challenging organizational norms and raising the bar in the field. So if you're ready to jump in, we're going to get straight to the episode, but I have to say, we just released a whole new newsletter and would really encourage you to go check it out. You can find it at letstalkparks.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we're going to jump into the episode now. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is season three, and I am so glad to be joined by Anthony and Marissa. How are you guys?
1: I'm good. How are you, Becky?
0: Doing good. Doing good. I'm glad that it's uh, we're cruising into 2021. Things are kind of slowing down a little bit and feeling a little bit more like normal even though things aren't really normal but it's good to be back on the show so I'm glad you guys are here.
2: Yeah it feels great to be back I feel like we took a little bit of a break there and had a really strong year and then we've had some time to kind of relax and regroup and some big things on the horizon so I'm looking forward to what the season brings.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And I think a good way to kick this off today is to talk about some upcoming trends that we are seeing, or we expect to be seeing in this next year. And, you know, every year NRPA puts out this list of predictions, this list of trends that we should be aware of. And I always look forward to reading that. So if you, if you haven't checked that out this year or in previous years, definitely go do that because there's some interesting things on there. Um, but I, I thought it'd be interesting just for us to use our own experience. And also because we've talked to people out in the field, we've, we've had all these different interviews and, um, and also just offline in our, in our day jobs where we see what's happening. And so I wanted to bring us together to just talk about one trend that we're each seeing that we think is going to impact the field this year. So Marissa, do you want to go ahead and get started with kind of your your one thing that you really think is going to change the field of Parks and Rec this year?
1: Sure. So like Becky just mentioned, I took a look at NRPA's website and the trends that they were forecasting for this year. And I think a really obvious one is budgets and our operations management and how we've all been affected by it. I think not everyone realizes a lot of our park and recreation agencies depend on income taxes, or not income taxes but um, sales taxes so if the restaurants aren't doing good we're not doing good. Um, So yes, there have been cuts in the field of parks and recreation. You know, everyone thinks, okay, it's just our programs, just our programs are being hit. We can't have them in person. So registrations are down, participation is down, memberships are down, but I mean, sales tax really impacts us too. And even um, property taxes and the revenue that we receive from property taxes, I would assume that's going to get hit this year too, especially if we see a migration of people, Um, Here in Illinois, we've already seen a lot of people leaving the state and I feel like there's going to be even more people leaving the state, especially with how many people that can work virtually. They don't have to be in offices here in Illinois, so I know a friend of ours, they just moved to Vegas because Um, her husband's job doesn't have to be in person. He's now allowed to work remote and she is a nurse, so she's able to find a job out there. So they decided to ditch the Midwest weather and get out there. So I think that we're going to see a big hit in our budgets and NRPA even said it too, that you know, a, a good chunk of us are going to see about a 25% hit in our budgets and our revenues. So I think that that's something that we definitely de- need to keep in mind. I'm sure many of us are keeping it in mind. I know that at our park district, we just fit, wrapped up our budgets. So we all definitely know that it's it's going to be a tight year. We really have to keep an eye on things and we really have to continually look at where we're at But I think that it's really going to continue to push us to do more with less and to get creative and use resources that we didn't think that we could use before.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's really interesting when you think about budgets, because now is really the time or you may have already had to make all these cuts. But um, where you think about what is critical, what is the most essential elements of what we do. Um, and, and what level of control do you have? Because so much of it is from the very, very top kind of saying, look, we have to make this reduction or we have to cut this amount. And so you're kind of just feeling like, how are you, how are you going to continue to bring the same level of service without all of those different resources? Um, Well,
1: especially, yeah, like morale's been hit real bad. So when you see all of these reductions in staff and resources and things like that, morale is way down. Um, And I know that our recreation superintendent here has preached many times when they have to continue coming back to do we make staff cuts? He has said that morale is down. We can't afford to have another reduction in staff. We can't afford to have another furlough quality of our programs is going to diminish significantly if we do that again. So I think it's a time that parks and rec professionals really, like you said, have to look at what's important. What do we keep? What do we cut? Maybe as I've said before in other episodes, those sacred cows, things that we were running before, just because it was nice to do it. But we were losing money on it it's time to cut those it's time to cut maybe some of the you know frills and things like that that we offered before um, to make sure that we can sustain our staff and keep morale up so that we have people who can run these amazing programs and facilities
2: so i think that i mean i really like what marissa had to say about taking a look at budgets and sacred cows and how everything applies to the trends of what's happening And how do we keep working through that? And I can't help but think back to where were we, what would it be like 12, almost 13 years ago in 2008, right? So what's different now between what was different then? And so we had an economic crisis, we had a great recession, we had a lot of people in turmoil, and obviously, you know, a decade's worth of time has come a long way, but our industry bounced back from that. And But I think what's different now is just, you know, the technology that's involved, the interconnectedness, the scope of everything. It went from being really just kind of, you know, an American centric, like our Wall Street, we crashed the housing market. And I know it impacted other parts of the world. But when you look at how things were here locally, to now this global event, and from that, you know, our entire culture has shifted. And so You know, I would say that if I were to ping any future trend right now, it's going to be disruption. I think that you are seeing it across the globe and across so many industry industries where everything is getting disrupted. If it's how stocks are traded and what's looked at, if it's how the housing market is, if it's how job culture, if it's how all these different things. And so what is that going to look like in parks and recreation? Like, who are the disruptors? who are the individuals that are going to answer this call now that we've been in this pandemic for a year, what ideas are really going to emerge from it? And so you see a lot more, you know, virtual type programming, you see esports getting even more popular, you get, you know, conferences that are completely virtual or going hybrid, but also locally, when you look at special events, you see a lot of, you know, here in Milwaukee, you have things that are being canceled already, you know, the ethnic festivals like German Fest and Irish Fest and, Summerfest has already pushed back to be from usually in july into hopefully around september and so while you know on the horizon of everything if they say there's you know we have a vaccine and things are looking okay and things things are getting back to that you know back to quote unquote normal but what is the new normal in parks and recreation and how much of it is holding on to what we knew how much of it is letting go like marissa said with sacred cows But how much of it is just going to be the embracing of this disruptive mindset to come out with something that is just completely brand new and a new way of engaging the community and a new way of running programs and parks and services. And so I see, you know, some of that starting. I can't put a finger on it, particularly of what it is, but there's definitely a sense that we're going to see this fundamental shift and change in our industry, building upon what we already have. So we've embraced Zoom, we've embraced virtual programming, we've embraced all these different things, but what is that true, real disruptive? What is that, you know, Wall Street bets moment? What is that other moment that is going to hit parks and recreation? And that's what I'm really interested in. And I wish I had the answer to that because I'd love to be in the forefront of it, but I don't, but I just see, I see it coming very strongly. And so I'm excited for whoever, that person or program is that makes that move.
1: Holy cow. I didn't really think of it that way before. So I really, really like that perspective, Anthony.
0: Well, I was just gonna say, you know, I think it it isn't like one person. It's not just like, it, I think it really is this like collective movement towards realizing the immense value of recreation and of what we do. And finding ways to better tell our stories so that we get the support and the recognition that we need. And so I think, you know, that's been happening, but it's really about like, what that's a nice thing to say, but actually how does that come to life? And how do we make the changes in order to do that? And who is going to step up and set that example for us all? So, you know, it'll be interesting. I think people are doing that every day, they're showing up and they're having to show up in new ways because, you know, I've talked to many different people who, you know, work just isn't the same anymore. And maybe it's because of those budget cuts that they just don't have the resources to make those programs happen. But a lot of it is just because they're kind of in this, um, in a panic mode still, you know, like, because there's so much liability and, you are responsible for, if you do any type of gathering, um, you know, for the potential consequences of that. And so you're always thinking about, you know, how is this gonna look and what kind of exposure are we going to have? And so there's still a lot of fear and especially for local government, you're always thinking, you know, about worst case scenario and you're always gonna err on the set of caution, but it's really those people who are willing to take those chances and willing to be innovative that are going to come up with some of the best solutions and things that we never saw coming.
2: And there is a lot of really good work, strong work being done out there. And I I think I like your response to me where I asked, you know, who is that person or what is that program? And you roped around to the collective because any of this disruption we've seen, the changes we've seen over the past year have been a part of a collective group. So you are right in that sense. And so how do we, how, how do we, and how are we coming together as we become more interconnected across the country as an industry? I mean, you have people that can, for myself, for example, you know, if you want to speak at a conference, it used to be, you know, you fly there, you get a hotel, you stay, you talk, you to take time off work, work it out, all these other things. I mean, in a single day, you could talk at two or three conferences if you planned your day right. And that's a message spreading across and that's people knowing new people and new messages and coming together. And so what is the fruition of that going to be? Like just more where everybody, you would go to a state conference and see the same, let's say like a thousand people is just a number to throw it out there. But maybe you would only see those same thousand people once a year. And now you can see X amount of those people on a daily, weekly basis, depending on how involved you are. And so the acceleration of ideas, the acceleration of culture, the acceleration of problem solving and impact is going to be exponential until it reaches that point where the shift happens. And you're right, as a collective group, that shift is going to happen where enough people have said, why have we always done it this way? Or why are we doing that? Or what does the new future look like? Or why are we still holding these sacred cows, but on such a level that you know, they could potentially teach about it in park and rec management programs in the future. So there's a lot of movement, quite a bit of movement occurring around all of this right now.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It's really exciting too, to think about the future of it. And, you know, the, the trend that I was thinking about for, to bring up today is that how technology has really changed everything that we do. And I get it. You guys, I'm just as zoomed out as everybody else. And there's a lot of ways in which technology and parks really don't go together. And I am the first one to, um, to not love the idea of kids, you know, looking down at their park or looking down at their phone when they're in a park, but there's also a lot of good that can come out of it and what i'm specifically referring to is how we can utilize technology within our operations and our workflows so that we can better communicate within with all of our employees and within our organization and so there's so many different like moving pieces that we've had to manage if you are you know in charge of programs or a facility or above um, you know multiple different divisions and you know, one of those might be staff scheduling, right? So you might work, use an external scheduling system and then you have to communicate that way with them. And that's because you're dealing possibly with hundreds of part-time or seasonal employees. Um, I think that that's been a big thing, but then you also have these other systems like you have your maintenance tracking system and ways that people can report outages and uh, park issues and, you know, things that need to be fixed in your facilities. And that's kind of been this separate thing that requires a lot of moving pieces. And then you also have, um, uh, you also have like your asset management system, right? So keeping track of your fitness equipment and all of these different things. And so that being said, um, all of those pieces in combination with your registration system and actually processing payments and memberships and programs, I imagine all of that really coming together. Maybe it's not this year, but very soon to, to combine to this working system so that everything is communicating with one another and people can do their jobs better. And so it's almost like we're going to have to really focus on technology here for the next couple of years so that we can stop focusing on technology so much. It's just that everything is so new right now, but once we get it figured out, then we'll be able to better do our jobs because then we can communicate more effectively because then we can report those outages better because then we can you know assign tasks and see how things are are working or not working and i just i see that there's still so many agencies and parks and recreation that are missing those critical workflow pieces and it's causing these slowdowns and i think if we can kind of work through and problem solve some of those technical issues, then um, down the road, we'll be able to kind of fine tune our operations and work more like a business, a a startup, you know, which I know sounds crazy, startup being um, very lean and agile and flexible and then local government being the complete opposite of that. But I think if we wanna survive and thrive, then we'll have to think about those the things that startups do best and implement those as much as possible into our workflow. I'm curious what you guys think about that. Well, so
1: I'm just thinking about how amazing it would be to, like you said, have something that's integrated with your work request system, your registration system, and maybe something that alerts a supervisor. So, um, you know, if it's on the work request end, you know, the pumps in the pool are down and it alerts the front desk, it alerts the supervisors. Everyone knows at the same time, because I feel like communication is one of our biggest barriers. It often keeps us from doing our jobs effectively. So it might again, be that the pumps in the pool are down and maybe the front desk knows, maybe the maintenance supervisor knew to alert the front desk so that when customers or members came in, the front desk could alert them and say, Hey, the, you know, the pool's going to be closed for the next hour. But does like the executive director know? Does the superintendent know? Does another facility know? So that when someone calls and says, hey, is the pool open today? People aren't looking at each other like, well, why wouldn't the pool be open today? So I do think that it's going to take a lot. And I'm kind of hoping that some of our registration software systems or time clock systems or work request order systems or HR system. I mean, we have so many systems So it would be amazing to have one that integrates together to make our jobs a lot easier. So um, wink, wink, if anyone's out there looking for a project to do, um, that would be something great that we could all benefit from. But I think a lot of it, I don't know. I don't know at what level it comes from. If it comes from the top and getting our executive directors and directors and superintendents on board with this and spending a little bit more time on these processes, I know that a lot of them are still in panic mode. They're still trying to figure it out here in Illinois. We change tiers. It seems like every day. So they're just trying to keep up with that, but it would be great if we had more leadership that was innovative and interested in being ahead of the curve instead of trying to figure out ways to react to what's going on around us and all of these different systems and emergencies and fires that we have to put out on a daily basis.
0: Well, it was like Marissa was saying earlier, like you can't, in her department, you know, you were saying that you can't afford to let anybody else go because morale is just too low. And there's only so much that you can do before people just start, you know, actively disengaging. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's the same type of thing. You can't afford not to innovate. If you're not thinking about what's next and how you're adapting, if you're just trying to keep your head above water, which I understand is like all we can sometimes do besides managing, you know, everything else that's happening. But that is, you know, I think we'll just see huge shifts of, of agencies that either are able to adapt or those that are just kind of wait, waiting and trying to see what will happen. And I just don't think it's, it's going to fare that well for those agencies, unfortunately.
2: I agree. No, I mean, I I agree with, and we're all in agreement with what we agree with, but it's just one of those things where like technology is such a huge player in it. It can be so effective. It can be so operational. Um, I think part of the challenge too is what Marissa talked about earlier with like budgeting and money and just having the funds and resources. I mean, I know I walk around state conferences and NRPA sometimes, and there's a lot of really cool tech out there that, places are pushing, but if you talk to a lot of people, you know, most people still kind of use the same registration software that everyone else has. And there's there's no shortage of these things showing up. And so I think as we adjust and resources become more available and we're able to actually have those conversations at the decision-making level to integrate some of that technology, it'll be fantastic. And I also you know, it's like a, a morale and mental health and wellness standpoint, also just having resources for the staff that you have left to make their job easier and help them feel more interconnected. And like, they're making a difference and everyone's on the same page and team. I think that that would be a huge component of it too, because I think, you know, obviously we have a mental health crisis in our industry as well right now. I and mean, that's a trend where a lot of us have seen a lot of cuts and uncertainty and this is the second go around for some of us who were working full-time in 2008 and any way to utilize the technology and the togetherness to kind of boost it so maybe your like your staff team is feeling low but how can you use technology to engage with another staff team and do some cross whatever team building and boosting and morale and welfare things of that nature so you know maybe interesting on that component to You know, talk with a whole segment of our industry that does that, Um, you know, military morale and welfare, the Navy, the Army, the Air Force, I do believe all have branches that their main priority is recreation programs for individuals in the military, which has got to be stressful with deployments and what being a part of that life entails. And so maybe there's some crossover opportunity to reach across the aisle there. Therapeutic recreation specialists as well. I mean, they deal with a lot of these things, social and emotional health. And so as we talk about technology and interconnectedness, I could see the branches of our industry merging together a little bit more to have those conversations so that we're not so siloed because, you know, we spend so much time giving back to our communities, but we really need to focus on ourselves as well, too, if we're going to get through this and be well on the other side of it.
1: Definitely, and it just made me wonder, like, why are we such silos? Why, why do we keep ourselves so separate from like therapeutic wreck, mun- municipal wreck, um, military rec? Like, why are we so segregated? We're all here for the same reason. So, yes, we might specialize in certain things, but I, like you said, I think we could learn so much from each other. And I know that personally, like, we rely heavily on our special recreation here to do trainings with us, to teach us, to educate us, to open our eyes. So I think, like you said, reaching across the aisle and making those connections and kind of, you know, picking each other's brains would be hugely beneficial.
0: Yeah. And there's really no better time than right now um, when we need those ideas, because you never know who is doing what and where they're doing it and how it's working. And so um, I think that is continued validation to keep sharing the stories of professionals that we hear. And so uh, to just bring it back home, you know, like we have so much gratitude for you guys when you listen to episodes, when you share episodes, because it helps the message get further and helps more people find those cool, crazy ideas that just might work. And, you know, even if you listen to 60 of these episodes and none of them work, but the last one does. And you get one little nugget that you can take and do something awesome with. That's what we're here for. And, um, you know, we're really excited to see what this year is going to bring. And, um, and we just want to thank you guys for coming along with the, um, on the journey with us for season three. And man, I hope 2021 brings good things to everybody. So thank you guys so much for being on the show, uh, for this kickoff episode, any closing thoughts? So we should end on,
1: I think we're trying to get better about sharing ideas on our Instagram page. So if you are looking for a little bit more inspiration outside of the show, check out our Instagram page, but. I too think that this is going to be a really good year. I just feel it. I know that good things are about to come and more people are starting to pick up on this and they're hearing about it. And I think that we could do some really amazing things in the field.
2: I mean, I definitely agree. It's going to be an amazing year. I think it's going to be really fantastic and we're going to see a lot of it. And a broke background to what I said before, the disruption, the change, the fundamental shift in what we do and how we do it. I'm looking forward to seeing that because I know that the end result will be something positive for our industry and positive for our communities as we go forward. So I think that's what I'm most excited about. And the conversations with the people that we're going to have on the show this coming year, I think it's going to be something that really moves all of us forward.
0: Thank you guys so much for being on the show. And until next time, let's talk parks.